the San Francisco Experience podcast. Brought to you by Jim Herlihy. Independent commentary from a Silicon Valley, California perspective for a global audience. Featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 21, Episode 15. Fentalife ads focus on San Francisco's failed approach to drugs. Talking to Kanishka Cheng, CEO of Together SF. An ad campaign highlighting the rampant use of drugs and squalid street conditions in San Francisco debuted earlier this year. The colorful ads displayed sarcasm to highlight ineffective policies to curb public drug use. Fentanyl overdoses in San Francisco in the first six months of 2023 have resulted in approximately 500 deaths, and we're on track to reach 1,000 drug overdose deaths by the end of 2023. The ad struck a nerve with San Francisco's political establishment as new law enforcement initiatives begin to roll out. Kanishka Cheng, the CEO of Together SF, joins us today to discuss the ad campaign and Together SF's mission. Hi, Kanishka, and welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. Thanks so much for having me on. Very excited to talk about the work that we're doing. Well, Kanishka, please take a moment to tell us about Together SF and yourself. Great. So I started my career in public service because of my background. I am an immigrant from Sri Lanka. I came here when I was six with my mom and my brother, and my dad wasn't allowed to join us for immigration reasons, so we didn't see him for two years. And I have a very kind of idealistic immigrant story, right? We came here with nothing. We benefited from incredible government programs and effective government programs, a great public education. And within one generation, I went from public housing to working for the senior staff of the mayor of San Francisco, which was a huge accomplishment for me and a dream come true. And the reason that I left that role and that incredible opportunity was to solve a problem that I experienced in San Francisco, which is that City Hall really only hears from two kind of extremist sides. We hear from the nonprofit kind of activist community, which are involved in every single conversation and decision that gets made, and lobbyists. And so the middle class, the working class, the average San Franciscan is really excluded from that political and policymaking conversation. And as a result, I think our policy outcomes are not reflective of those values. So I started Together SF to go find all those people, re-engage them with their community, with each other, and hopefully inspire in them that they would want to get more involved in local government, local politics, and ultimately have a more engaged and informed group of San Francisco residents and voters. Very impressive. Thank you. You know, we started in March of 2020. And I had uh, quit my job and I started this organization. And then we had a global pandemic hit and the city went into shutdown. So we thought about the best ways that we could be useful during that time when everybody was sort of panicked. And I had a huge network of young, able-bodied people that were gainfully employed that suddenly got to work from home. And we knew we had a lot of people who were in tougher situations, especially seniors at the time were advised not to go grocery shopping or go to the pharmacy, stay Uh indoors. And so we started out as just a Google form that people signed up on to volunteer. And they got matched with a senior in their neighborhood and we're doing their groceries for them. And for the first year, a lot of people continued to do that with the person they got matched with. 
which I thought was just a really great way to build neighborhood and community. Then we connected people with um, nonprofits to do grocery packing, food delivery, and that kind of evolved to more community service efforts, which we still run regular trash pickups in neighborhoods, graffiti removal, mural painting, um, a lot of great community building efforts. And then towards the fall of 2020 was when the school board situation in San Francisco really started to to heat up. San Mm -hmm. Francisco's school district continued to lag behind in reopening schools. And we had a board of education that just wasn't listening to parents and Mm -hmm. was not even discussing reopening in the board meetings. And we were very fortunate to be able to put together a webinar to hear from two school board members specifically about school reopening. And leading up to that, we had started doing webinars that were informational about homelessness or Board of Education 101. Mm -hmm. And a real big learning for me there was that people were really kind of hungry for this information. Mm -hmm. It might have been the pandemic that they were stuck at home, but when 100 people are willing to log on to a Zoom in the middle of the day and hear about the history of homelessness, Mm -hmm. there's something there. People want to be helpful. They want to be informed. And they're having a hard time getting that information, and we were providing it to them. Mm -hmm. But that first Board of Ed Zoom, almost a 1,000 people signed on to that to hear from their Board of Education representatives. Impressive. So, yeah, it was really impressive. (laughs) And, you know, we don't run – we weren't running any ads or anything at that time. So it was all very organic, but we were tapping into something in San Franciscans. There was an information gap, and I think there still is. And so we really leaned into that. And so in 2021, we evolved to do a lot more educational content. With reopening, we were able to get an office space and move into in-person events, which are really great because it really allows us to build community one-on-one in person. And we've been doing more and more of that into 2022. And then, you know, 2022 was such an anomaly of a year for us. We had four elections in San Francisco, which was really rough for everybody, I think. But in the June election, we released a ballot explainer where we did um, the pros and cons of each ballot measure and we didn't Mm -hmm. make recommendations. It was purely informational. That was very successful as well. It was a lot of learning there that people, again, wanted to hear this information But a a big learning there was that they came to us and they asked, well, how would you vote? What do you recommend? What do you think about this? So they were really asking for our point of view. And as a 501c3, at the time, we couldn't make those recommendations. So that felt like being very responsive to our community. We launched Together SF Action, our sister organization, in the fall of 2022, which enables us to make recommendations on things to vote for. And so we did that for the fall election. We released a voter guide and we really leaned on our community for distribution. Again, we didn't do any digital advertising or advertising at all. We did our own social media posts and we did in-person events. We did kind of very traditional house parties where we came to people's homes and they brought their friends together to hear from us and to talk about what's on the ballot. And those sort of intimate conversations in people's homes I think are so, so important to get people to deeply Mm -hmm. understand what's happening, but also to allow them to feel safe in asking the questions that you can't ask online. They're too nuanced. 
And I think that is where we really start to build communities. People feel safe asking those questions and having conversations with their friends and neighbors. You mentioned homelessness because obviously that's also a huge issue for any resident of San Francisco, voters of San Francisco. And I'm glad that you've you've been involved in educating the public as regards the causes of homelessness and where the solutions to homelessness also. But how did you come up with the campaign? which of course went viral. It's famous throughout the United States. It's famous throughout the world where you were able to create these public advertisements. We see billboards around San Francisco talking about fentalife, not fentanyl, but fentalife. And the use of sarcasm in ads that are cheery, cheery message, cheery colors. But of course, the message underneath is, of course, the underlying issue is a deadly issue and it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. fentanyl. How were you able to come up with such a, such a campaign that uh, contrast, that used sarcasm, some cheery, bright colors, but, but really set the political establishment here in San Francisco in kind of a rage. How were you able to accomplish that, Kanishka? Yeah. So at the end of last year, we were kind of hearing from our community, what's their biggest issue? And everybody's concerned about public safety. It's the number one issue in everyone's mind in San Francisco, public safety. And that looks, that's very strongly connected to the open-air drug markets, which Mm -hmm. of course is driven by the increase in fentanyl. So we've been working on this drug crisis issue all year and getting ready for the city's budget process, which just wrapped up last night, we knew we wanted to make a big push on the city's budget because one, it is the opportunity for the city to put its money where its mouth is, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you're saying you're going to prioritize solving this problem, show us that by how you're planning to spend to solve this problem. And two, the city's budget process is such an insular process that no regular residents are really that engaged on it. So it was a huge opportunity for our mission and for this solving this specific problem to bring people into this insular process in an easy way and then show them results. Mm-hmm. And we knew we needed to build a citywide movement around this issue. The open-air drug markets are predominantly in Soma, Tenderloin, and the Mission now. And so we need district supervisors who do not represent those areas to care as much about it and to feel as responsible for it. And so that required us mobilizing voters on the west side of the city to Mm -hmm. also care about it. So that necessitated this campaign. We were very fortunate that a advertising firm wanted to work with us pro bono. They came up with the concept of it. And when they pitched us on it, we were so blown away that we knew we had to take this big risk and put some money behind it to really have it make an impact. Mm -hmm. The bright colors are actually drawn off of the rainbow fentanyl, which is a real thing that was being produced where they look like candy, pills look like candy. Mm -hmm. The cheery tone, the happy font, the retro font, it's all a play on the California lifestyle, the thing that people come here for, you know, great weather, innovation, amazing food, great culture. And you come here for all of those things. And then you see the reality of what's here and it certainly doesn't always meet your expectations especially right now what we wanted to draw attention to was that contrast and expectations and reality and also the fact that the absurdity of what we've normalized and that's sort of what the cheerfulness is trying to say this is Mm -hmm. so absurd that we've normalized this and are pretending like this is okay that we've all looked away for so long and i think the campaign 
obviously really shined a spotlight on what was happening here in San Francisco and ruffled feathers, but it also got really immediate attention. Oh, absolutely. It, it got immediate attention in San Francisco and outside of San Francisco. Can you share with us some of the ad messages? Obviously, we're not, uh, we're not a visual podcast or an audio podcast can you share with us some of the uh some of the the messages in those in those billboard ads yeah one of the ones that um that really sticks with me is in san francisco drug dealers have more rights than our kids Mm -hmm. we put that one up across from a playground where there's private security or not private security there's security around the playground because there are drug users right around the playground um we have one that says keys wallets narcan because we've normalized that everyone needs to carry Narcan and be able to dispense it, kind of minimizing what a significant event is happening if you have to deploy Narcan on something, right? right? They've lost their lives, and we're like, oh, yeah, let's just give them some Narcan, which, of course, is a life-saving medicine. We need to have it, but let's not normalize that in any way. Um, We have one that says, no yelling while dealing drugs. Kids are sleeping around here. (laughs) We have that one in the tenderloin. Uh, We have one that says, the layoffs don't appear to have hit the drug dealers because fentanyl has a 700% profit margin. So we try to hit on the real public health crisis in action, in action. City Hall's drug policies have led to more deaths. If you harm yourself with a knife, the city will intervene. But with fentanyl, it won't. Hmm. And I think that is like the crux of the whole problem, right? Is that we're not viewing this as a way people are harming themselves. The use of sarcasm to get the message across that people are fed up with this normalization, this neglect, turning away from the squalid situations that we see in the street where homeless people can be you know, maybe have a syringe hanging out of their arm or what have you, mm-hmm. where we've become so hardened to this, we turn away. That's neglect. That's not humanity. Yeah. That's not care. That's not for any politician, for anybody at City Hall who thinks that the current way that this crisis is being dealt with on the street is in any way humane. They're kidding themselves because the rest of us in San Francisco know that that is neglectful and that is that is not the kind of values and traditions that that really anybody, whether in San Francisco or any city, should be tolerating. Yeah, we talk about the city of St. Francis and having compassion. This is not compassion. This is not even palliative care because it is not compassion. It is just ignoring the problem. And I think it's absolving ourselves of any responsibility for our fellow humans when we say that, well, we just need to wait until they're ready. We need to wait until they're ready to opt into recovery or or getting clean and sober. What we are ignoring is the reality of this drug and how it actually changes your brain chemistry and makes it nearly impossible for you to opt into quitting yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, Kanishka, now that you've raised the issue through in, in a lighthearted way, but really underscoring the seriousness of the, the crisis that we face, what are the next steps? How do we translate the attention that you've given to the issue? And you've certainly got my attention. You've got the attention of a lot of moderate uh, voters and rank and file folks in San Francisco. How do you translate that into policy initiatives that are going to achieve some of the object- the objectives that we need to achieve to help these people in a meaningful way. 
So what we, the whole ad campaign was connected to asking people to send in a letter, an email to City Hall. And what that email asked for was a dual prong approach to the problem. So we have a drug market in San Francisco to attract a drug, to attract, to attack market, we have to heal the supply side and the demand side. And on the supply side, we've been advocating for more law enforcement, restoring SFPD, allowing them to arrest drug dealers and supporting them and resourcing them in doing mm-hmm. that. And then on the supply side, I'm sorry, on the, um, on the demand side, is supporting recovery and more treatment options. And both of these solutions necessitate a policy shift from City Hall because they have not been really doing either of them. And so that is actually what has been happening in response to our ad campaign and our mobilization of of the public emailing City Hall is now we have we had the budget process that just wrapped up mm-hmm. and throughout that process the mayor fully funded all of the law enforcement asks we had. So SFPD is now funded to begin that restoration, which unfortunately is a multi-year process to restore the department. Mm -hmm. And then on the treatment side, she funded a number of treatment investments. But the policy shift is that she also funded sober housing, which we did not have any of in Mm. San Francisco. If you are getting supportive housing that is publicly funded, if you're living in that, there is no requirement for sobriety or even participating in treatment. Mm. So this is a huge policy shift. And so we really appreciate the mayor making that investment and starting that shift. And now we have to keep at it. The other shift that's happened is that the day after we started our efforts at the end of January, the next day, SFPD deployed what they called Operation Disruption, where they had a street level presence and they were able to clear a few blocks at the tenderloin and hold those blocks clear of dealing for a number of weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, without sustained presence, right. and which is hard to sustain when we're short 500 officers, that cannot be held, right? It is sort of a war. We're trying to hold territory now. Mm. And so the dealers have been pushed to Soma and some to Mission, and so we need to keep that up. And because we're short officers, the only way we keep that up is through state and federal support, which now we're seeing that come in too and having an impact. So the results are starting to show themselves. The other big change is that the administration did a pretty sharp shift, right? They were no, they were not arresting people for public consumption, public intoxication, and other harmful d- behaviors that were associated with public drug use. Mm-hmm. And now that's happening. Now, unfortunately, because it's state law, we have no ability to mandate people into treatment. The only tool we have is this arrest or citation process, which the DA, now that we have a DA that's willing to prosecute on these cases, is willing to bundle those and then bring people to drug court to compel them into treatment. Mm -hmm. That has not been happening for the past three to four years. So it's a huge shift that we're now seeing officials make in response to our advocacy the campaign. Well, first of all, thank you for the efforts of Together SF and your personal efforts in translating this campaign into actual budget allocations, new policy initiatives, drug court. Kudos to you and to your efforts. It's really commendable. Thank you. No, we're very, um, very fortunate that people were willing to engage and that we were able to build this coalition. And Jim, if you ever come to any of our events around this drugs work, especially, it is incredible. I've never seen a more diverse room in San Francisco, age-wise, mm-hmm. race-wise, gender across the city. 
everybody is concerned about this and has been willing to engage on it. And I think that's why it's bearing results at City Hall. You can't ignore this. You're absolutely right. The concern on this issue in particular, it's not one little group of voters or constituencies. It's right across the board. And again, your movement, I think, is, is unique in recent years in San Francisco to reach right across the board. And I hope, yeah. that the, I hope that the politicians in City Hall take note of that because for the longest time, I don't know who they've been listening to, but whoever they've been listening to, we've gotten to the crisis that we face today. But again, yeah, I, absolutely. But again, I want to commend you for the uh, for your vision and for your efforts and for your energy. And how are you going to keep their now that we have these budget allocations? Now that we have these new programs, how are you going to keep their feet to the fire, Kanishka? How are you going to make sure that they get implemented and they get implemented the way you believe they should be in, implemented effectively? That is actually the harder part, right? Right, They can always allocate money. That's the easiest thing actually for an official to do. Now we have to have these programs operationalized. We have to have appropriate metrics, and then we have to measure those outcomes. Mm -hmm. As an organization, we are going to be super engaged on this issue, and we're going to keep calling it out when we feel like they're failing or dropping the ball Mm -hmm. or getting distracted by whatever feels politically expedient. We're going to make this we're going to continue to make this the issue that must be solved and must be addressed because our entire city's recovery depends on it. Mm-hmm. So we will be following along how this funding gets actually operationalized, how this new central command center that is being set up at UN Plaza gets operationalized, who's put in charge of it, how they show results. And so we're very engaged on that. We are in now in, in communication with department ha- officials, city officials, state and federal leaders as well to get make sure that there's a coordinated response. We will continue to make sure that the community and the public knows what's happening and whether or not these programs are being managed effectively. And I think we will all see if we see and feel a difference on our streets. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. We'll, I mean, we will see the results almost overnight once these policies begin to be implemented. And you're absolutely right. The resolution of this problem of homelessness, open-air drug markets in San Francisco, the perfusion of fentanyl, the solution to that mess of a problem is really the key to bringing San Francisco back because there's no question that we've lost the San Francisco that we knew and loved for decades yeah. and we've lost it yeah. but but you're absolutely right to focus on the sol- the the solutions to this problem to to get us back on track to where we need to be well kanishka in the remaining few moments of the podcast any closing thoughts for our listeners this has been a terrific eye-opener of a podcast and we started off with the fentolife adverts but you broadened the issue and told us about some new initiatives here. So any closing thoughts for our listeners? You know, the the work that we're doing now is all leading us to really important elections in 2024, where mm-hmm. if, if leaders fail to deliver this year, we're going to be sure to remind voters where they've dropped the ball when it's time for their re-elections or for open seats next year. So we have a huge opportunity next year to think about the leadership of the city, as well as the thinking about the governing structure of the city. And mm-hmm. that's something we are very focused around is 
does our city's charter still work to allow our city to be governable and effectively spend money and deliver results and hold people accountable? That is something that we're going to be talking a lot more about leading into next year that I think will actually help us solve our biggest problems. Well, Kanishka, we will love to have you back here at the San Francisco Experience podcast to tell us about your progress into 2024, because you're absolutely right. Next year is a critical year in terms of elections and Mm -hmm. trying to change the direction, the political direction in San Francisco. And we have those elections coming up and we'll love to have you back to talk about them. And additionally, I think charter reform is also something that has to be on the table. Absolutely. And particularly charter reform, I'm looking at the, again, we're talking about the role of law enforcement, the law of the police, charter reform in particular, and how the police are governed through the police commission. That's also something that should be addressed as part of charter reform. So kudos to you. It's high up there on our wish list. Absolutely. Kanishka, how can our listeners follow you? Please join us at tsfaction.org. You can sign up for our emails. They're super informative. They're not too frequent. Follow us on social media. Our handles on all of the platforms are tsfaction. Stay in touch. You can always shoot me an email. I'm happy to chat about any of these ideas and connect you with many ways to get involved, whether it's coming to our events or hosting your own event. And Kanishka, just repeat again that, uh, that email for our listeners to contact you tsfaction.org. You can send us an email at hello at tsfaction.org. Fantastic. Kanishka, thank you so much for joining us today, taking time to share this with our listeners. We started off on the, the Fent to Life adverts and we've we moved on to charter reform and making san francisco remaking san francisco back to what it should have been in the first places again i want to thank you for having joined us i look forward to continuing this dialogue with you through 23 and 24 and uh, again thank you for the great work that you're doing for the people of san francisco and san francisco itself thank you so much jim My pleasure. And for our listeners, today's episode is number 420. You can listen to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music, 18 platforms in total, and join our listener family that spans 65 countries. This has been the San Francisco Experience Podcast with Jim Herlihy coming to you from San Francisco.